Welcome to Evening Chores, a podcast presented by Adobe Owl Ranch, which is my little homestead here in Hereford, Arizona. I hope you enjoy listening to it. Please hit the subscribe button and share it out to anybody that might be interested. And let me know what you think and anything that you might feel that it would improve the episodes or topics that you think might be interesting to hear about in the future. Thank you. Howdy. Welcome back to another episode of Evening Chores. This is an episode from the from the shop. I'm standing here in my shop with the microphone. I thought that might be a little bit better for the for the audio this evening. <clears throat> you may also be able to hear the probably I'm gonna say uh, potentially the last batch of chicks for the year. They're in a brooder behind me here. All of the other young poultry is in outdoor outdoor chicken tractors now so that's a that's a good place for them this is a group of actually 11 rhode island red pullets they'll be taking over for the some of the hens that we have that are a little bit older so these will be they're just replacements they'll be around for a little bit longer than the others so and they're at that super cute stage maybe i'll well actually i think if you go onto the instagram page i think that i posted a picture of them there i'll try to get some up on the website if i can remember i need to i need to get an app to control that i gotta log in that's kind of a pain so i need to figure out a better way anyway this evening i thought i would talk about other off-road equipment so last episode i spoke about tractors and it was kind of a limited thing i i would like to get some questions about the tractor issue and and also do a, an episode on maybe maybe larger tractors mine's a pretty small thing I, I i think there's a place for small and possibly medium sized tractor on some homestead farm ranch whatever it it depends on what you're doing I, there's not usually a place for it you know great huge tractor you see those, some of those like north dakota nebraska some of those places that these huge i mean enormous you know like the challengers those big track tractors i, I never see a, a point in having one of those on a homestead you'd have to have i don't know a lot of land and no ability to build roads i, I can't imagine the the case where you'd need one of those on unless you're doing that you know if you're doing that kind of road cropping then you definitely need the tractor that works best for you but i'm i'm saying for for my size of an operation such as this so but tonight, today I thought I'd talk about a different type of tractor. So you'll actually hear tractors, you're, you'll hear the word tractor referring to a lot of things from semis to bulldozers to, you know, what most people think of as a tractor, big rear wheels, small front wheels, that kind of thing. And a, there are a few machines that are built on a tractor frame. So <clears throat> in the case that I have here, that is a, a backhoe. So I've got a Ford 455 backhoe. It's a three-cylinder, non-turbo, so it's naturally aspirated diesel machine. It's, you know, I couldn't actually tell you how long the, the boom and the stick are, but long enough to do what I needed to do. It's got a 12-inch wide bucket, which is, excuse me, a fair bit narrower probably than the stock bucket that it would have come from or come with from the factory but in Arizona I need that I need a narrow bucket the ground here is so hard that 
that bucket makes up for the earth in some ways because it's such a it's such hard digging here that you need a narrow bucket so that you can actually dig if you had a, a normal width bucket that probably would have come with a 20 inch bucket something like that it would be possible but it would be more work on the machine more stress and it'd be kind of annoying to dig with i think actually so the 12 inch wide bucket you know it's like a trenching bucket you see them used a lot and it's a good it's a good size deal it's got three teeth so it really gets in you can you can dig really well i've done a little bit of custom work with it but mostly here around the place you know i've dug out some trees i've i've moved a lot of stuff with it they're a super handy machine so if you're thinking of other machines that you might want on your property you know a lot of people like skid loaders a skid loader is a it's a super fun machine to run. It's super handy for the things that it's good at. And boy, is it terrible at other stuff. A backhoe is like the opposite. It's not great at anything. Anything that a backhoe can do, another machine can do better. But it's good enough at a whole bunch of stuff. So it's kind of an all-purpose all machine. You know, it's kind of like having an excavator. It's not quite that good. It's kind of like having a front-end loader because it's got a good heavy-duty bucket on it. Yeah, it takes a little bit more work. It's, you know, you got to, it's just something you got to learn to run. It's not as, as simple as some things. And you've got to learn the, you know, the vagaries of operating it. And you kind of, you almost need to be a helicopter mechanic, it seems like, the amount that the thing leaks. There's always, seems like there's a hose leaking because there's just hoses everywhere on them. You know, there's a lot of hydraulics. So that's kind of a drag, but it is an amazing machine to have because of the versatility of the thing. You know, it, it, it weighs enough to be able to, to dig a good hole. You know, the, down here, the ground's really hard. This is like a 13, maybe 14,000 pound machine. So it's heavy enough that I can actually dig relatively well with it. I can dig a uh, three foot deep trench without any major issue. If I was in other, I can dig deeper than that, but that's, you know, I, I have put in a trench to, to lay electric in across one field where I thought there might be some digging. I wanted to have have it down a good distance so it's it's possible to dig that deep you can dig out trees different kinds of roots it's it's really a versatile machine and you know the front end loader super handy you know loading either a trailer you can carry all kinds of stuff in it they're just super handy and some stuff like if you if you need to be able to access something up high maybe you don't have a way, anything to put a ladder against you can stick the boom up it's not probably recommended but it's something you could potentially do. I've carried things around that are too tall to be carried with anything else that I have on the property, like the A-frame. I moved that A-frame. It is, I don't know, 10 or 12 feet tall. I just hooked onto it with a boom on the, you know, I chained it to the, to the bucket, lifted it off the ground. No big deal. Brought it over, put it where I wanted it, and set it down. So it's super handy. All that kind of stuff really it comes in handy. It's, you know, you can get in and out of places. You're less likely to get stuck. So because with a backhoe, you can usually pull yourself out. That isn't a major concern for me here because of the of the way that the, the land lays where I'm at. I'm not, I'm not going to go get stuck somewhere. But it is a thing that, you know, you can dig yourself out of situations with a backhoe. You could probably dig yourself into some situations as well. But there are they're a very versatile thing that being said there are some dangers to having a backhoe you always have to know where your 
utility and water lines are. If you follow my Facebook page, you'll see I've dug up a couple of my own water lines. I've also, though, used it to dig up a leak and have got that leak patched. I don't think I ever put anything about that on the on the sites, but I had a, a well pipe leak going to the house, and I dug down where I could stand next to it. I got everything. I actually improved it because I had the backhoe, and I had an ability to get down there and get to it. So that's a, it's a definite bonus to having a machine like that. It doesn't make everything easy, but it makes a lot of things easier. But like I said, you need to have your, you know, call before you dig number. You need to go out. You, you should have that anyway. Have your property marked. Keep track of where those things are. And call them again before you do any digging. They'll come out and they'll mark everything for free. They'll mark anything that the, the power company or the, you know, if you've got sewer, gas, whatever. They'll mark all that stuff for you for free. And even if you think you know where everything is, I don't care if you did it six weeks ago, call them again, ask them to come out, make sure, because you don't want to dig up anything. It's dangerous, it's expensive, nobody wins if you are digging up, you know, an electric line, a, a telephone line, any of that stuff. You're the one that loses big time, so it's a service they have, take advantage of it. They don't mind, I promise. <clears throat> so, it's a super handy machine for that. It I've used it for all sorts of things. In fact, I butchered the first hog that we butchered here on the property. I used the backhoe with appropriate safeties to, I used it in place of, you know, what I've now got this A-frame for. We, we used it to hoist the hog on so we could, you know, do the, the butchering part of the work. And it worked out pretty well. I did stand up under the bucket a couple of times. That wasn't, wasn't the best part of the day, but it was much better than doing it on a table or laying on a tarp on the ground. And it also allowed me to move, you know, move things around. Also, I got to to bury some things that otherwise I would have had to find a way to dispose of or, or compost. So that area is now well, well fertilized. As far as what you should look for on a backhoe, if that's something that you might be interested in, can be a machine that'll make you a little money on the side if you know what you're doing, if you've learned to operate one. I mean, I wouldn't recommend you buy a backhoe if, you, if you've never operated one. But go out, you know, learn how to operate somewhere or, you know, hire on somewhere. Ask them, tell them, hey, I'll work for free for, I don't know, a month if you'll teach me how to run these two machines. Something like that. Try to figure out some way where you can learn things. And then don't expect to just do that way or there. You're going to be doing all the, all the dirty work as well. But find a way to learn how to operate if you're a young person being a machine operator is an extremely handy skill to have. So even if you only do it for a couple of years, it's a skill that will stick with you and you can always put on a resume, which will then allow you to get into some jobs that maybe otherwise you wouldn't have an opportunity to do. And as you age, it's better to be in the machine than, I don't know, laying, you know, conduit or whatever kind of pipe, you know, heavy, heavy pipe. That is a, it's a young person's game for the most part. So... Learning to run a machine is a good thing in the long run. Having a machine around to practice on is amazing also for that. And for kids, so if you're a, a homesteader of some kind who also has has kids and you have machines like that around, you are doing your kids a service by allowing them to learn how to operate it safely. So I'm not I'm not telling you to send your five-year-old out and learn how to run it. But I I take my kids on the machine. I have sat there and let them hold the controls as I operate the machine so they can see 
what the different things do. I, you know, I'm, I'm teaching them how to drive different types of machines. And as they get older, they will be able to operate any of those machines. And, you know, if you've ever seen somebody that, you know, for where I'm from, there's a lot of people who had dirt bikes, the guys that were on a dirt bike when they were like three or four years old. And then they, you know, some kind of a, a slow, you know, like a, a mini bike or something like that. And then graduated up to, to bigger things. Those guys are naturals. They can do things on those bikes that nobody else can do. It's going to be the same thing. If you learn how to run a machine when you're, you know, when you're, I don't know, less than 10, we'll say. So you'll be a natural. It'll be easier to pass all the, the tests, whatever you're, wherever you're going, because it's just about linking different functions to your muscular functions in your brain. It's a subconscious thing. Whenever you learn how to run a machine, you, the same as if you see, I don't know, a, a cup on the table, you don't think about all the muscular movements to reach out and pick up that cup. You just think, I want to pick it up, and your hand goes out and it applies the correct amount of pressure. It picks it up, it moves it back, you take a drink, whatever, you go and set it back down. It's a very, very similar feel when you get used to running a machine. You think, I want to take a half bucket of dirt out of this part of this hole and spread it evenly across this section of the ground next to it. And your hands move independently as you are executing that motion with the machine. So it's kind of a... It's an odd experience whenever you realize you're doing it, because at first everybody's super jerky. It's, it's really annoying to learn to run a new machine, actually. Especially if you already run a different machine as you're learning to to run a, a new model or something, it can be extremely annoying, but it's very gratifying whenever you get to the point where you can do the things that you want without having to think about what muscle movements you need to make. So I do recommend it. It goes the same for any of the other machines, you know, a skid loader, a, an actual mini excavator. Those could be a real money maker in some, in some situations as well. It, you know, a Bobcat or a skid loader can be as well. It just depends on where you're at and what you need. As I said, a backhoe is just a kind of an all-around machine. Now, what would I look for? For most people, I would say absolutely look for a two-stick machine. So that's two, I guess, four-directional joysticks which operate the major controls of the boom. They also make machines with more sticks than that, which are just two-directional direct, two sticks, so they only move on one axis. Those are a machine I've actually never learned to run. They can be cheaper, and I'm not saying you shouldn't learn to run it, but they aren't going to hold their value quite as well. So I would recommend looking for a machine which is a, a two-stick machine, and there's another reason for that, because there hasn't been a track hoe built which used anything other than the two-joystick method of operating it for decades now. So you want to have those skills be transferable to other machines. You want to you want to get a machine that is similar enough to learn to operate it. Now, when it comes to should we use cat controls or John Deere controls, and you can look that up. If you look if you look up Caterpillar backhoe controls or, or I guess Caterpillar trackhoe controls or John Deere trackhoe controls, they are different. So, 
this Ford machine I have out here has more of a John Deere control layout. And it's really annoying to me because I learned on a Caterpillar control machine and the axes are different so that the functions on the stick are different. But you get used to it. It's not a big deal. In fact, a lot of like the newer mini excavators will have a switch. You can, you can go between one and the other because they're electric over hydraulic anyway. The machine I have is hydraulically controlled exactly. You control the the stick, which controls the valve, which controls the flow of fluid to the the cylinder to make whatever motion you're making, which gives you a little bit more feel. It also takes a little bit more work. The stroke is a little bit longer on those those sticks than it is on a electric over machine, or I think an air over machine, but I can't remember if I ever run one of those or not. So I would look for a two-stick machine. I actually really like this Ford. I think the Ford Ford machines are great. They are affordable to work on. They're simple. They aren't, you know, the, the name on the machine is not costing you money the same as it is on a Caterpillar, which I don't even think Caterpillar builds their own machines, if I remember right. I, I want to say it was, or maybe it was Case. Some of those, some of those backhoes were built by other companies, but just had a different brand on them. But you'll see John Deere, Ford, Caterpillar, Case. I'm trying to think. There's all sorts of other backhoes out there. But I really like this Ford. It's a, as backhoes go, it's a relatively small machine. It's a lighter machine than a lot of them. And the price was right. I got it for a good deal. And it is relatively easy to find parts for affordably. You know, John Deere parts are notoriously expensive and the the mechanics are, are harder to find. I bought this machine, I bought the service manual, then I lucked out, I found out that a guy that lives nearby me is actually has a similar machine, so when it's got something I can't figure out, he can figure it out and, and we've gotten it back running a couple of times that way. They're just a super durable and easy to work on machine though. As far as what you should look for on a specific machine, if it's a backhoe and it's got any age on it, it's going to have a few leaks. That's fine. What I would recommend is expecting to replace about half of the hoses on the machine in the first year. I haven't had to do that, but that's kind of what I was expecting. And there's a couple of hoses that I expect to go kind of at any point. I need to just get out and replace them. For that, you need to find your local Napa. Some, some I, I Locally, it's Napa. There's a lot of other places that will build you hydraulic hoses, especially if you're in more more farm country than I am. But the local Napa parts guy, he can make hoses for me here. No problem. So that's a, that's a bonus for me. I toss some extra business his way because I need that service. I need to be able to get hydraulic hoses without driving for an hour. So expect that. That's going to be an expense. I would, on any machine, no matter what it is, I'm going to pull the dipstick. I'm going to look at the oil. I'm going to look at the water in the radiator. I'm going to look at the any transmission fluid, hydraulic fluid, power steering, any of those things, I want to make sure that they are the fluid that they're supposed to be and nothing else. So look up what what oil should be in there and ask about recent changes, those sorts of things. If you see milky uh, coolant in the radiator, that's a really bad sign. If you see milky oil, that's an extremely bad sign. If you smell burned, now there's a difference between worked and used and burned fluid. So if you pull a transmission stick on something and it smells like it's been on fire, I'm going to pass on that machine unless it's almost free. 
if it's so cheap that I can get it and have whatever that is replaced at a shop for, for just and get out of that situation for less than I would have in a similar machine, I will consider it, but I'm probably still not going to go for it because if they've abused it to the point where they've destroyed the transmission, who knows what else is wrong with it. But that's me. You know, your mileage will vary. Depends. As So I'm going to look at all the, all the fluid, all the boxes. I'm going to want to see the machine operated, and I'm going to want to try to operate the machine as well. I want to see what kind of, you know, if it's got issues in the valves or the pump, or any of that stuff, which you'll be able to tell sometimes just from operating machine. If it doesn't seem like it operates quite right, maybe ask why, ask to see them run it, ask what their tricks are. Oh, excuse me. Those are, are good things to know. Let's see. I'm going to look at the tires for sure. Uh, tires are expensive, especially rear tires are extremely expensive. You can, you can easily spend $800 on one rear tire. So expect that if you are getting a machine with old worn out tires that's another cost you could you could drop two grand on a set of tires with the mounting and all that depending on where you live front tires they're kind of like buying you know heavy duty pickup tires they're not cheap but it's not going to break the bank like like the rear tires will hydraulic hoses are not cheap hydraulic oil also isn't cheap and it's not a terrible plan when you buy new equipment or buy an, a piece of equipment to replace all of the fluids on it, that can be expensive. But it can be a good idea to replace, you know, a majority of the fluids that run a machine. Also, I'm just going to go ahead and replace all the filters. I don't care if they said, "Hey, I changed the oil on this thing last week, and that air filter has been in there for four days." I'm probably going to go ahead and replace it. Air filter, you can kind of look at. You may be able to tell. I'm going to go ahead and order one though, for sure. I'm going to pull it out. I'm going to look at it. I'm going to see what it, if I think it needs to be replaced. If there are extra filtration methods that are available for whatever your machine is, I'm going to buy those too. Especially out here with dust, your filters take a beating and I'm going to, I'm just going to buy the filter set and expect to set, to spend a few hundred dollars on that. That is just a part of the price of doing business with any kind of any kind of machinery really, but especially anything that anybody would call heavy machinery, which Vaco really isn't heavy machinery. It's like a, I don't know, small to medium sized machine by most people's measure, if they're in that business. All right, another thing that you're gonna have to consider whenever you have a piece of machinery is fueling that machine. So if you don't already have some sort of mobile fuel tank, whether it's a, in you know truck bed tank or something that's on a trailer that you pull around behind you start looking for that <clears throat> go ask your local you know if you have like an mfa or or some sort of a a fuel dealer like that ask them what it will cost to deliver as i understand that has gotten prohibitively expensive lately so i'm probably going to recommend that you buy a tank that holds oh 100 gallons somewhere around there and you either put it in the bed of your truck and just expect that you're going to drive around with it or you know put it on a trailer if you have a machine the great thing is get a set of pallet forks for that machine mount your fuel tank of whatever kind it is i've got a you know like an enclosed toolbox which is actually built to be a fuel tank it's <clears throat> like a, a in truck bed tank i'm going to mount that on a 
on a pallet. So then you take your, you know, your either your truck or your trailer to town, you fill it up with fuel, make sure that whatever tank you buy or however much fuel you put in it is not more than your machine will lift. So fuel weighs roughly seven and a half, eight pounds per gallon. Just figure eight pounds per gallon and you'll be good. And, you know, figure in the cost of the, of the, you know, tank and the pump and all that. Don't, don't cheap out on the pump. I'm telling you, you'll, you'll wear your arm out. So get a good pump, whether it's a manual or I've got a, a 12 volt DC electric pump that works amazing. I think it's a farm, right? I can't remember though. Maybe that was the other one, but I spent a few hundred dollars on that, on that pump. And it has absolutely been worth it. Not just for the backhoe. I can't get off-road fuel down here. So if you see red dyed fuel, that's non-taxed fuel. That's only for use off-road. So tractors and and things that are only used off the road. You can't if you if you're found using that on the road, you'll be liable for there's a hefty fine, possibly jail time. I can't remember what all. Don't use off-road fuel on the road. But I don't get that down here. So the the tank the fuel that's in my tank is perfectly legal to put in my truck. And so I have before I've been going down the road and thought, well, fuel's kind of high today. I'm going to use the, you know, 15 of the gallons that are in the tank that I had planned to use in that backhoe next week. And I'm going to hope the fuel comes down. And as I said, because I buy on-road taxed fuel, that's completely legal. If it was off-road fuel, I wouldn't do that. So get a tank of some kind, put it on a a pallet so that you can pull it out of your truck, pull it off your trailer, whatever it is, put it in a shed so that you can use it to fuel up your machine. The other option other than a, a pump, which if you have a machine like this, this will work for you. Build yourself a stand, get yourself a tank with a bottom feed, you know, so a, a hose that comes out near the bottom. You don't want to come directly off the bottom because then you'll get a whole bunch of silt and stuff. Although I guess if you have a good filter, that could be okay. I've got a filter on mine, but I don't really want to buy those filters that badly. So I don't have it sucking directly off the bottom of the tank. But if you have a machine like that where you can mount it up a couple of feet higher than the top of the gas tank, so the base of the of your fuel tank is a foot or two higher at minimum, than the wherever your fuel port is on your tractor or your backhoe then you'll be able to gravity feed it get a big hose you know a big they make them for fuel get a fuel grade fuel hose with a fuel grade shutoff you know they make a handle it's a lot like the one at the gas station mine doesn't automatically shut off i never leave it running i always watch the fuel as it goes in even if it was auto shut off, I do the same thing. It's just, it's not worth having fuel sprayed all over something accidentally and possibly a fire. So watch as you're filling it. But if you have a, uh, that sort of a situation, you can get those, you can make it a gravity feed, put it up higher, build yourself a stand, make sure it's very sturdy. You don't want that falling on somebody. It could actually kill somebody accidentally. And then you can gravity feed in there, figure out what your tallest machine is going to be and just, you know, build that at that level make it where you can put it up there safely and take it down and or maybe you have a you know a, a trailer that's devoted to a fuel tank who knows in that case you're probably not gonna want to put it up that high but so the other thing it's not a bad idea i didn't do this but it's not a bad idea to make 
all of your off-road machines use the same kind of fuel. I've got a gas tractor and a diesel backhoe. That's not ideal. I've got to have two different kind of tanks now. But it is what it is, and luckily the tractor doesn't take much fuel, so I just have some some of the old style, you know, fuel cans around. I take those to town on a trailer, get 15, 20 gallons at a time, and that lasts me several months. Uh, but no matter what, you're probably going to want some on on farm fuel storage of some kind. Go ahead and get yourself some stabilizing solution. There's also, I know some people who buy their fuel for lawnmowers and small tractors and things from the airport because they can still get all, you know, pure gasoline, no ethanol. And I don't have anything against ethanol, but it just doesn't last the same. It doesn't have the same longevity that that petroleum-based gasoline has. So just something to think about. I don't actually know the legality of that. If it's illegal, somebody let me know. I don't have any idea. I've never done it, but it sounded like a good idea at the time. Something to keep in mind. So, yeah, keep a fuel system around of some kind. And also keep around other fluids that go in your machines. So hydraulic fluids, some extra engine oil, transmission fluid. You know, in my backhoe, it's it's the same fluid for hydraulic and engine or not not engine it's not the same for hydraulic and engine it's the same for hydraulic and transmission the engine is a diesel engine takes 1540 don't cheap out on your oil i will i will advertise for them even though i've actually had some issues i i can't get them to to answer the call i swear i don't owe money or anything like that they i've never actually gotten to order anything from them but if you have a i haven't gotten to order anything from them here but back home where I'm where I'm from, we used Schaefer oil and everything. That is some amazing oil. So like I said, even though the, the guys down here are not treating me exactly how I wish that they would, that is a local distributor issue. It's not a, a, a company issue. That is amazing oil. So if you have a Schaefer rep, look them up. I think it's SchaeferOil.com, something like that. Like I said, I'll give them a free plug because their product is that good. Look them up. Really good oil. If they were around here, I would only use their oil. If they gave me a distributorship, I would sell their oil to everybody that I knew, and I would only use it in all of my stuff. It doesn't matter. Everything I have would have that in it. So Schaefer Oil, no, I will not quit my job to sell your product, but I will sell it from, from the property here, and I guarantee I'll sell quite a bit of it because I know a lot of people. At any rate, so get good oil, keep it around, it's not a bad idea to buy in bulk. You know, buy a 55-gallon drum of oil. If you have a backhoe, you're going to go through it in a couple of years. You're going to go through it before it goes bad. Especially if you have a diesel pickup and you've got a diesel tractor and a diesel backhoe. And, you know, then, then you buy, sure, absolutely buy a 55-gallon drum of oil. Buy a, a decent pump for it. And, yeah, just keep track of the volume in there. You'll save a lot of money that way if you get a good dealer. That's another thing with Schaefer. They actually... The oil was not ridiculously priced. It was just very well made. It was really excellent oil. Let's see. What else would I do? What else would I do? Uh, if it doesn't have a canopy on it, I'm going to put a canopy on. Most backhoes will come with a cab of some kind, even if it's an open cab. That was Mine is basically a ROPS. It's a rollover protection system with a, with a, a metal cap on the top. That is, that's a good, good system. 
and I would, it depends, I guess, you know, if you have something with an air conditioner, great, this one, it doesn't, but that's fine. Uh, maybe put a fan on it, that could be a good thing, like a, a fan for you, your engine's going to have a fan. Um, also, I'd recommend putting some extra mirrors on it. Because it's hard to keep track of everything that's going on around a backhoe. Go to your local truck stop and buy a couple of semi-mirrors, those rounded ones. Mount those on it, then you'll be able to see what's going on. You know, as you're, as you're driving, you'll be able to see where the boom is and all that. I've had a couple of unfortunate incidents. I've fixed them all, but nonetheless, I've, <laughs> I've had a couple. So, you don't want to do that. You don't want to run anything. It was, it was not, not anything that couldn't be repaired, so I lucked out. And you're going to want an air compressor for these. You know, you, you, those tires do just leak air sometimes. So you're going to want to have those. I put stop leak and everything. I've got that green goo in it. I was a tire man. I know all the tire men are, they're out there just upset completely. I know what a pain it is to take that stuff out of a tire. I use it anyway. Because down here in the the brush and everything we've got, there's long ne needle thorns and everything. You just spend all your time going back and forth to the tire shop if you didn't put some goo in your tires. So I use slime. It works great. There was an orange one too. I, I just bought whichever one was made in the U.S. And as near as I could tell, it was basically the same stuff. But I like to buy U.S. made things. And buy a good grease gun. You're going to spend a lot of time going through grease. Buy a case of grease. Don't buy a tube of grease. Buy a whole case. Because anytime I grease my machine, I go in through anywhere between a half a tube and a tube of grease. And that's saving you money later. Every time you take your grease gun out and you go and grease something up, that's saving you money later on. Buy the book for whatever machine you have that'll and go through it. Familiarize yourself with it. If you're new to machines, whoever's selling it to you, ask them to show you how to service it, including greasing. You should be putting grease in all the joints on that thing any time that you run it. If you run it for four hours, jump off, pump all the joints full of grease again, and go back to it. Every machine will have a, a lubrication schedule in the book. Some of them will be mounted on the machine somewhere. Follow that thing religiously. Use extra. It, grease is not that expensive. It's not going to hurt you to use more. You know, make sure that you... you keep everything clean but you want to have extra you want to have all the grease in those in those joints that it that they can use let's see hearing protection that's a big thing machines are loud don't ruin your ears and also wear eye protection i actually in the last two weeks i i got in both earplugs and uh, both tinted and clear eye protection those are those things are worth their weight in gold. It's already saved me a really annoying, probably trip to urgent care or maybe just a couple of hours of walking around real miserable because I otherwise would have had an eye full of a chemical because I was I was cleaning some stuff up and things went awry and it, it got loose and I would have had an eye full of it. The glasses saved me from that, so don't cheap out on those, you know, or I guess, frankly, the ones I got are cheap. I think they're like a buck fifty a pair. Because I bought two dozen pair, but keep those things around. Encourage people to use them. If you are an employer, that's one of the requirements. You absolutely have to. So 
But anybody that comes out here, if they're doing something, I'll offer them a set of safety goggles, safety glasses, hearing protection. I'll, I'll give it away for free. It doesn't cost much, and it's definitely worth it. You'd, you'd rather have that than to know that somebody got injured on your property because you know they could have been wearing glasses and weren't or whatever. Uh, so at some point in the future, I'll be doing a deeper dive into how the know how to choose a machine probably and I will try to do an instructional video on how to operate a machine but I think for now I'm gonna cut it off here and I'm going to go out and finish up my chores if you have questions or you like this or you wish that I would have covered something in more detail please send me that email you know shoot me a message all the infos on the web page or it's on let's see link tree which is l-i-n-k tr.ee slash adobe owl ranch i believe or it might be slash aor one or the other and now i think it's adobe owl ranch i shouldn't even put those on there when i don't know what it is it's one or the other it'll be obvious because it'll have my website on it adobe owl ranch and all the twitter instagram all those things will be on there as well so go to any of those things i believe my phone number might even be listed on the on the website so if you have questions there, shoot me a text or, or whatever, that's fine. If you're in the local area and you are interested in in procuring some live animals, let me know. I can see if I have anything available there. If you are interested in meat, we can set up a butcher date and get you, you know, as a as a custom exempt sort of a thing. I, I will not sell you cuts. That's not something that I can do at this stage, but I can sell you a a hog that I will, that we will be able to figure out to get to the, to the abattoir for you, and you'll be able to pick up your meat there. Um, you'll have to pay the the butcher bill. It's a standard thing, but if you're so inclined in this area, please let me know. I would be glad to to serve you. I I have good animals, and I'm I'm uh, rather passionate about getting that out into the community because I think it's a much better way to get your meat both it's local so it's you know i'm i'm not huge on the green thing and i realize i'm droning on here but i am big on conserving the natural resources that we have and whenever you go to the big box store and you get your oh whatever kind of your protein is from there some of that has been shipped across oceans in some cases or just via trucks if you buy from a local farmer you are cutting out a lot of that because that was grown locally it yeah it's going to have still some you know fuel put into the to the production of that but it's not going to be anything like oh the the turkey that got trucked all the way from north carolina and you live in you know minnesota or whatever although those probably come from iowa but still a lot of that factory farm food spends a lot of time on the road it takes a lot of fuel to do that. It, the feed that gets trucked in there, it comes from a long ways away as well. Because my feed comes from a distance away, but it actually wasn't that far. My feed came from a few hundred miles away. I've got to find a... It's actually going to come from closer now. I'm going to... I found a closer place up yonder, but just something to think about. You know, there's more reasons to buy local than just the fact that, yeah, there's a farmer out there doing it. It's also better for you and it's better for for the area you live in and all that. So go find a local farmer. If you're in my local area, I'd love to I'd love to serve. And with that, I'm going to cut it off for tonight. 
I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks all, and good night. Bye-bye. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I appreciate you listening all the way through like this. And if you would, please share it out. You know, you can go right to the website. You can get the URL there if you're into the RSS sort of a thing. Or you can go to iTunes or Spotify, Amazon Podcast. It's all kinds of places. Oh, look at that. I just got caught a pig sleeping in the feeder. They're crazy animals. It's, It's a sleepy world here. Anyway, please go to those places, rate, subscribe, share. That helps the the reach of the podcast. And, you know, it's nice on my end, I'll be honest, it's a little bit selfish for me, but it's it's nice to know that I'm not just speaking into the abyss. Somebody's actually listening. So if you want to send a comment, actually if you want to send a comment that's more individualized, you can send it to eveningchores at gmail.com, and I'll get it that way. I appreciate you listening. Thanks, and good night.